up, Drew? Hey. <laughs> Welcome to How College Works. Melody is busy with uh, stuff. She's off, I think, traveling today. Uh, hopefully, we'll get her back uh, in the future. Uh, but today, we have a guest. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Annabelle Norman, and I'm currently an undergrad junior at Azusa Pacific University studying marketing and business management. I was on APU's cheer team for three years, so I loved that involvement. I'm also a member of Azusa Pacific University School Business Honors Program, and as well as a NSLS inducted leader. Nice. Nice. That is probably more than the listeners know about me. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> that's an impressive list. Yes, yes, yes. You're, you're ahead of me at where I was at your time in life. What was I doing? I was playing a ton of Counter-Strike. <laughs> that was what I was doing. And you know, I think, college is interesting because you have so much free time and it's about learning how to adequately use it. So I don't blame you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I made it out. I, I did well. I went to grad school. So obviously I did not squander all my time. Um, just lots of it. I mean, it was squandered, maybe not right. It was, you know, it was a good <laughs> social experience for me. And I, good, I'm so glad. So. I think I think third year was the the year that I worked the hardest. That was the year when I got kind of got in in gear. That was all like, oh, this yeah. is how I do this. Yeah, it really felt like a downshift. Like here we go. You know, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, I can totally agree. I feel like my first two years were just years of adjustment and learning, okay, this is how college works, especially learning my campus in specific mm -hmm. and the resources available to me and how to juggle my time. And this third year, I, I loaded myself with 18 units every semester just to be able to cruise into next year and possibly graduate this December. Nice, nice. Yes, I went the opposite route where I was light in the beginning. <laughs> so therefore, I took the full load all the way out to the end, which was fine. It was an interesting perspective that it gave me on 100 level, you know, gen ed courses, when I'm taking 400 level physics courses. Um, but that is a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Annabelle, you had a couple of things that we talked about before you came on about what you want to talk about. The two that I have sort of uh, marked up here are what you wish you had known, which is great. And also uh, how clubs and programs kind of bring you in and sort of connect you to campus in a way that just going to class doesn't. Where do you want to start? Let's start about things I wish people would have told me before I came to college. All right, <laughs> let's, let's do that. What's, what's top on your list? Well, I would like to say that I've been so excited about this podcast. I've been thinking about it for nearly a week and, you know, talking to friends who are my fellow peers or people who attend different universities and different, even community colleges. And I wanted to hear your input to see what they had to say that I could come in agreement with. And one of the biggest things we all could agree on is learning to organize everything in a planner whether that be a tangible paper planner mm -hmm. or it be a google calendar learning to view your syllabus at the beginning of the semester and write everything in and then from there just fill in as the weeks go on that way you have a visual visual representation of okay this is what i have going on this day or this week or even this month so i can see i can see why you're on the leadership team at your school <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great it's like you've been listening to our podcast. I love it when we have guests on who are like, you should do this. I'm like, yeah, that was like 10 podcasts ago, but yes, 
Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it, it comes with more um, uh, gravitas. From from that, the, yeah. I would say the next bullet point that my friends extremely brought to my attention, and this is something that I've never been told. Granted, I'm a first generation college student. Mm -hmm. So, of course, maybe people have heard this, but I did not hear it because my parentals and my family didn't have this experience. But some professors allow their egos to get in the way of the quality of a classroom because they are the the key environmental controller. And if you are not in agreement with like a certain topic that they have or a certain stance that they have, it definitely can um, change the way that you experience that classroom and its content. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the dark side of uh, faculty sort of um, control and the difference between, or one difference maybe between higher education college and mm -hmm. K-12 uh, is that. and. Yeah, I guess sort of in the way that I've talked about this kind of stuff on the podcast is to remember that your professors are people and uh, and maybe comparing that with there are fewer constraints on us speaking right. as a professor than there is uh, than there was on, say, Drew when he was teaching high school, which does mean that you can have times when you can have a professor who is has a hobby horse or has like a particular ax to grind about something. And you do kind of need to be aware of that. Like you do need to treat each of us as professors yeah. as different. There's so many, there's so many facets to that, yeah. to that topic as far as um, what professors bring to their teaching and their classroom and like the environment, like you said, and versus a K-12 teacher where our students, our, our, compulsory have to be there we have to teach everybody um we most most of us attempt to um shield our political views from our students so it doesn't look like we're proselytizing or indoctrinating uh we're just teaching content versus a professor who is the students are age majority they're paying to be there they're self-selected into the program and the professor um has to or feels the the pressure to be the expert or is the expert on the content and yeah, that it's hard to pass through that without ego and say, by the way, I'm an expert. Everybody just, you have to listen while I talk kind of thing. Right. Right. And if so, I were to even um, tell kids in college or people who are going to college, one way to deal with this is be open-minded because that is how you gain a broader understanding of this topic. Mm -hmm. Because if you're so zoomed in, you're just focused on your beliefs and your, your way of viewing it. But if you have an open understanding, then you open your mind to just a whole lot of other learning opportunities. I personally love when my professors have different viewpoints than me. A lot of them do challenge us. Um, they're not so egocentric upon their teaching and the way that they structure the class. They like to hear back from us. So that's why I love my university in specific is because they challenge us to challenge them. And that's important to me. I love it. That's just learning different aspects of a particular topic allows you to be more educated upon it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's and, the, the, exactly the best mindset to take into it and say, you know, yeah, I have my feelings, my beliefs on whatever topic, and I'm going to hear what this person has to say and evaluate it and you know take it with that um with with the level of expertise that it has sorry my house is busy um <laughs> no worries man and um 
you know, and go and, and use that to your advantage and use that for opening up opportunities instead of, it would be really easy for a person to step in and say, Hey, that's not what I grew up with. And I'm going to close off and just say, Hey, why did I pay for this or whatever? Right. Right. And also uh, add to that, the sort of keep that open mind, having, hearing what they have to say, uh, going along with it, you know, within the context of, uh, within, so, uh, or the rules of that class. So you may have a conflict between sort of, uh, you know, scientific, uh, uh, processes and, and conclusions and a, in a religious perspective, that doesn't mean that you have to like abandon your religious, uh, understandings in the class, but it does mean that you need to address the topic in the class within the context of that scientific class, you know, and so, and to just say, all right, we're going to leave, we're going to leave this conflict alone for now. We're just going to explore like what this means in the context of this class. At, at and, the risk of getting way out in the weeds, I did like the, the spot that I saw that first was about essay writing. Mm. And as a, this was as a third year student too, I'm sitting in a, in a writing course and the freshmen in the, in the course were arguing with the professor. The professor had said like, this is how you get an A on the paper in this class. And the freshmen were like, well, I no, I learned blah, 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 blah. And it's like, all right, you learned that. That's great. But this professor just told you how to get an A, like take some notes, write his paper next class. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of the take things as a, as individuals is that you, you as somebody who teaches writing in uh, in the first semester it's like there's there's often this set way that we're learning like here's how you need to, to to write and you need to do it this way in college you're told and the reality is 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 not that it's like you need those fundamentals you need that foundation to to pull from but the writing in an astronomy class versus a say what i teach a first year writing seminar class versus a history class versus a psychology class all of these are, are different in subtle sometimes major uh, but important ways that sort of being being flexible in that way to as you said animal with an open mind you know to to listen and be like okay what is what is this how is this different than what i've known before how is it the same so that you can say okay right, i'm going to do these things the same way and that thing a different way you know to find success right that's very important thank you for sharing that <laughs> so no worries so what else pops out from you and your friends about like, man, this would have been so much easier. This is so funny, but we get tired of dining on campus. Like, <laughs> it's nice at first when you're a freshman and you have a zillion dining points. You're like, yes, this is great. I can go to any food place on campus. But it gets exhausting after a while. Come wintertime, you're like, okay, I'm done with this food now, but I still have a whole nother semester left. So a big, big tip I wish that people had told me before college was for holidays to ask for gas cards and dining cards at places, like gift cards from places nearby your campus. So Chick-fil-A is a fan favorite for us. It's right around the corner from our university. And when Christmas time rolls around, I ask my family for Chick-fil-A cards. So I, I think that's an important key <laughs> to call it adjusting to it. Yeah, nice life hack there. As opposed to like, hey, mom, man, can I just have an extra $100? Right, and it's not always like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like I like that that's good certainly when I went to college we had I went to college in Cleveland and little Italy was within walking distance so we would be all so like cool. let's go get some donuts at Presti's shout out to Presti's <laughs> so awesome yeah. we have a donut place called donut man and they call it a donut man run at two in the morning so yeah. you know 
Yeah. That's, that's when we do a Presties run, two in the morning. Yeah. Two in the morning, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, we had a, a, a burrito place, and I can't remember the name of it, but they would do these meter-long burritos. Meter-long? Meter-long, and oh on God. Sunday, it was buy one, get one, so we went out and bought one and got a free one. And uh, yeah, we sold those slices for a dollar at the dorms. We're making lots of money. I had business majors for my uh, roommates. It was great. Take take notes, Annabelle. Take <laughs> lots of them. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. Yeah. Another thing I'd have to say is when you think about taking off for college, it's kind of a scary thought only because, of course, due to like films and just what you hear, college seems to be a big place. And it seems that, you know, depending on what, what college you go to, there's the ratio from students to professor can be very large to just that single professor or a few TAs. And something I'd say is really try and be very intentional about connecting with your professors. They're there to help you. They offer, they offer office hours and you can even email them. Um, that's important because a lot of people are timid to do that. And because of it, consequently, their grades take a toll with it. Yeah, we should do a, an episode about that, Peter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't you go check Spotify, Drew? That's the, <laughs> the latest one that was posted this month was Office Hours. So, yes, thumbs up for Annabelle and Office Hours. Uh, the, for exactly the checks in the reasons. mail. The checks in the mail, Annabelle. Sorry. Thanks. This is a great plug. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, we're, we're so pleased to the have The food card is on its way. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's not Chick fil A, I do not want it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, Anything else? I mean, like you just check, you just going down our list of things. This is so reaffirming. Oh, I have, yeah, yeah. I have a whole notes. Oh, on look my at iPhone. this, listeners! <laughs> you can't see like a dozen of these things on our phone. <laughs> yeah. um, something that's important too is a lot of people have the tendency to just get in the schedule of just attending class and leaving class and not really being relational with their classmates, and that's really important too. This kind of goes hand in hand with you know making time for your professors. You need to make time for your peers because they're people who are going to help you succeed. You mm. need them to study. You need them to understand concepts. You need them for anything that revolves around the class. It's even nice to have some friendships that come from your classroom. So I think that's something important is to really engage and um, being intentional of making relationships. With I, I love the way you framed that to say intentional relationships with your classmates and your peers. Like this, yeah. I was having the same thought um, quite a while ago <laughs> and it didn't, it, it didn't occur to me in that frame. I was thinking like, Hey, I need a study group. How's that going to happen? Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't come to it from that framework and that, that I, you know, syntax that idea, but that's exactly it is being able to have interpersonal communication with people in a way that's you know hey let's let's help each other out let's study let's get to the library whatever we're doing yeah right. and, and you can do it like in class you know talk to people nearby sort of a thing and, and, and make that contact there like I had times where I took I was a math minor I took two classes with um, a guy that I knew from a friend from the dorm who was a math major uh, which was critical because he like drugged my butt through those classes. <laughs> so they were like, this, this seems okay. But it was like, it was, this was a lot more work <laughs> than I was anticipating. It was all like, Matt, help me. I have no idea what's going on with real analysis, which is by the way, some serious math. That's all, all the stuff that you assume for calculus, like one plus one equals two or minus one times minus one is one. Like that's where you start proving in real analysis. I was like, 
I don't know what Matt, I'm dying here. He's like, okay, yeah, come, let's talk. <laughs> so I made it through that and complex analysis because of and that. And you felt like you needed him, right? Like it was a Absolutely. situation yeah. to help you. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's something that often gets overlooked because as college kids, you start to identify with certain groups and you disregard others. Yeah, I think that's I think I think it's natural. Part of that transition too is like the, the high school students who are doing really well have learned how to some many times have learned how to do really well by themselves and, and our K-12 system sometimes incentivizes individual work and success and, and advancement um, and, and focuses on that where, yeah, it was exactly my third year, fourth year where I was learning that I needed a team to get to my degree. Uh, And, and that's part of that. Uh, now we call them soft skills, right? But that's part of that like hidden secret tool that I don't think is mentioned enough is that I'm not, I'm getting my degree, but you're all getting my degree too <laughs> with me. And I need to make it uh, um, copacetic that, or, or you know what I mean? Like I need to make it so that the other people who are helping me realize the value they're adding to me and I'm adding value to them on the team. So we're all doing it together. Precisely. Precisely. Within reason, within reason, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now we're so technologically advanced that there is no reason you shouldn't reach out to your peers. We have FaceTime, we have different platforms to text message off of, we have social media to reach out to your friends, even Zoom. Zoom has been so awesome just to virtually connect with people, right? And so I think that there is no excuse to not connecting with your peers and they are essential to help you get your degree. Yeah, especially as you get to those upper level classes within your major. And that's when you know, you've been developing these these skills for just, you know, how to college in general with your hundreds and 200 levels. And at the 300, 400 level, now it's like, okay, good. Training wheels are coming off now. You're like, wait, I had training wheels on? <laughs> and at this point, it's, it's like, you really are need to be thinking about it as like, you are part of a team and everyone is working in the same direction and sort of, you know, reach out and help them and let them help you and everybody can move forward together. Oh, that's awesome. And tying into this is college is such a diverse place. You're leaving your house and you're going to somewhere where you're meeting people from, they could be foreign exchange students, you're meeting uh, commuters, you're meeting people from different states. And with that, you again, need to be open-minded to who you're working with and also who you're living with. My dorm experience was awesome because I met people of different ethnicities and um, they had a lot of diverse, diverse living spaces and ways that they schedule their lives and even their food was so diverse i'm a foodie could you tell (laughs) (laughs) but it's so interesting if you're not open-minded to it you might get offended or you might actually hurt somebody else in being so closed off i remember there were nights where um, some of the people in my dorm rooms they would stay up till three in the morning in our little suite area which had a kitchen in the restroom and whatnot and a lot of girls would get really mad because they'd be trying to sleep because they had class the next morning. But for me, it was understanding, okay, well, why are you up? And to know that some of these people are maybe FaceTiming their family from across the world, like you have to be very open-minded to who you're going to school with. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, yeah. I don't, I think that's a topic that we need to come back to at a different, at another podcast as well, because um, one of my roommates, my last, my final year was uh, from Kenya. And that was real, that was a great experience for just like one semester with him. And yeah, just having that interaction of like, my first several years was was the same roommates and we got really close and we, you know, we knew each other and we knew our, 
schedules and everything. And then this experience with, with um, my last roommate was, um, I think what a normal roommate experience is <laughs> where I didn't know this guy, I went in blind, completely different culture, different, you know, um, schedule. I was a music major and he was, uh, I'm not even sure what he was majoring in. <laughs> so we had to work around that. And that, that is was a typical first roommate. I, don't I know think that's a typical, <laughs> you know, experience of just like, wow, this is so far outside of, yeah, my upbringing, my background, my experience that, uh, that it was really good yeah. for me. And, and you're unlikely to have that kind of high contact in mm -hmm. other situations. Like I've had a huge number of international students from different cultures and I've, you know, learned things from them and gotten perspectives from them. But, you know, I'm a professor and they're my student and the amount of contact that I have with them is much less than I would have had with somebody living in the dorm with me or in the same room with me. Like this, this is a kind of unique opportunity that you have to sort of understand somebody else's perspective. Right, and it really does influence the way that they articulate school and material. And so I think you need to be very open to diversity. Plus it's fun, college is a place to be uncomfortable and become comfortable with being uncomfortable. So experiencing the new things is just so important. And I yeah. think that anyone taking off for college or even in college and they don't have this mindset, it's a great thing to adopt. Mm. Yeah. yeah, plus one for that, thumbs yes. up. <laughs> All right, the last point I'm gonna talk about, which I spoke to my friends about is failure. And failure is something that people hear the word, they're like, oh man, the F word, and they want out of it, right? But the thing is, it's okay to fail, and actually we're gonna fail more than we succeed, and college is the best place to do that. Even high school is the best place to do that because you're learning and you're growing, and failing doesn't mean anything except the fact that you learn from that experience. And you have less to lose when you're in college and you fail because you're still going to college. You're still submitting more job applications. You're still applying to different internships. So failure, if anything, should be seen as like an obstacle that you've overcome. And people really do feel like they really fear failure. Yeah, well, you must I mean, have really good teachers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a higher ed for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great mindset to have. And, and I think that's just true whether you're in college or not, is that, yeah, the, the, um, we're not learning from successes as near as much, like not even a tenth as we are from our failures. So I, I totally agree with that statement. Yeah. And I think if, if you're setting up, if you're you know, making contact with your professor and coming to those office hours, then the failures that you're having are smaller in nature. Or, or actually they're probably, yeah, because you're like, you're failing in that first draft of the paper or you're failing in that first try at that homework. And then you're going and getting help with it and you're improving it and you're learning which, which yeah. didn't make sense before. Now, if you don't go there, you are probably actually failing more in that draft of the paper or in that homework. You just don't know it. And you only really kind of comes home what you're failing at when you get to the exam or the final grade on the paper, right? And it is it's true, like I tell my students this as well, it's like we learn from our failures, like not from our successes, you know, but that does mean, you know, that you gotta be doing what you're talking about, Annabelle, which is like being on top of these things. And you're like, all right, I know I'm going to have a crappy first draft. So, so I'm going to plan, I'm going so to I schedule to that in. a week in. early. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to write it and, and then revise it. And I was like, so I don't know, I'm not going to speak to, you know, Annabelle's experience, but my failures in college and first and second year were pretty spectacular. They felt that way at the time. 
Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They felt huge. And this is like devastating. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm dropping courses and, and at the same time, my, my success was to learn from it that I had overbooked my, my hours. I had um, overestimated my ability to uh, organize my time without procrastination. I, you know, the, so those were successes that took a long time horizon to fulfill right? Like I, I figured this out by my third, fourth, fifth year. <laughs> um, and, but at the time, first year, first semester, it felt like devastation. Yeah. You know, I had that experience, like in going into the, my first semester and taking uh, the first semester writing course and had gotten all A's, A minuses in high school and just bit a big C on that on that uh, on that course and uh, <laughs> it, it, it felt horrible you know and it felt super frustrating you know? i think that's for this is for you to share a, a similarity where you had a really top quality gpa in high school going mm-hmm. into college and uh, annabelle i don't remember what yours was but um peters we've already mentioned on the podcast was 4.0 valedictorian going to college and getting a c was really terrifying <laughs> it was and it was super frustrating because it was like i thought i was doing all the things that i should be doing and i thought i i wouldn't and then when things weren't working i you know made the effort to go talk to the instructor uh early and then wrote it and got the same grade so really it's like it's that it wasn't until like you know a few years later in college where i was like okay you know taking perspective on that like that wasn't just on on him some of it, as an instructor now, like some of that's on him. Some of that, much of that was on me, you know, in terms of what I was doing and looking for and asking for, what I was listening to and paying attention to, you know. And, and in my junior year and senior year, when I was having similar types of assignments, I was paying much more attention to what I needed to be doing, you know. But it was, it was rough. It was, it was a bit of a blow to my uh, self-identity of who I was. But it was also good. It got got that out of the way, you know, in terms of like doing poorly, you know, by my estimation, you know, and not living up to what my ideals were. Oh, that's awesome. Actually, I didn't finish high school well at all, which is surprising. I didn't do well um, when it came time to decide to where I was going to go to college. I actually got rejected from a lot of the colleges that I felt I would most likely get into. Um, I think... I made it into this private school because of athletics. So that was a blessing and a half, but that is what really opened my eyes to, okay, I need to get myself um, in schedule because I was so sure that I would get into places, but it did not happen. And so once I got into a school that was on, it was a 60% acceptance rate school. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like, okay, this is time for me to buckle down and get serious about it. So yeah, I didn't finish high school well, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit of a object lesson for, I mean, we, I mean, I'm sure Drew and I were told this at the time is all like, yeah, you've been admitted, oh, but it's uh, provisional, you know, on how the rest of your senior year goes. If you like, if you get admitted to, I don't know, Berkeley, and then you're all like, ciao, I'm out and yeah, like yeah. just don't go to class in the second semester the second half of the year uh, chances are good that they're gonna be all like yeah no <laughs> we're gonna talk to somebody on the wait list <laughs> so but yeah i mean and it's also tough like i under i remember that sort of last year of high school especially the last the, last, the back half of it was like 
tough to, it, to, it was to hard stay to stay focused on yeah ap calc ap for those those high level courses we're all taking and 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 then still have time for i don't know it was really rough to stay focused that <laughs> <laughs> from about march on and i'm sure class of 2020 r.i.p no congrats guys <laughs> I really do feel bad for them, though. They were deprived of their senior year, and I wish them nothing but the best. It's interesting to think about, okay, what is college going to look like for them this fall? And I hope that they get to experience the fullness of it because experiencing it in a classroom is so different than experiencing it on Zoom because this last semester I transitioned. I finished my spring semester on Zoom, and I moved Mm -hmm. back here from Los Angeles, and it was so difficult to stay focused. Though Zoom is like in essence, similar to actually being in class, it isn't because of your environment. I was so distracted. Like I'd see dishes yeah. in the sink and I'd go wash the dishes instead of being on Zoom or <laughs> really easy to slide yeah. open that Netflix tab and keep it side and side with your Zoom camera. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, great idea. I'd be reading yeah. an article or watching something. You know, and that's the watch. same, like teacher Twitter is all abuzz with the same kind of questions. Like how do I keep my kids engaged? Well, it's like, hey, stop being boring. Stop being boring. Sorry. No, that was no. Never mind. So <laughs> a, a little harsh. But yeah, no. It's like it's a it's a different platform. It's it's hard to stay engaged and focused. It's also lonely as the person running it. You know, when I'm not getting the kind of eye contact and feedback from students that both verbal and sort of visual that I normally have like it's really hard to read the room when the room is a chat room yes yeah that's important thank you I thank you for sharing that because as a student we don't really know what the professors are feeling there's only so much they want to admit to because they want to seem like okay I have this little control Right. Versus being yeah. real and saying, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Right. And there is a bit of a, a balancing act that every professor, teacher in general, has to walk between how much do you give up control and become sort of open and human? Mm-hmm. And how much do you maintain control so that you have control of the class? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If I am. This perception of expertise. Yeah. Right. If, I, if I'm perceived as someone who super unorganized, doesn't know what they're doing, uh, it becomes very difficult for me to instruct my class because why would they bother listening to me if I'm super unorganized? I've, you know, I've, I've, my, my students write reflection papers about their experiences in science and it is not uncommon for them to talk about a science teacher. They were a really nice person, but they were super disorganized and were easily distracted. And they're like, yeah, I wouldn't be paying attention to that class either. Because it's obvious that I'm not going to learn much because they can't stay on task. Yeah, that's difficult. But I think that a lot of teachers are handling this transition very well. I applaud them because I couldn't imagine doing it myself. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of work. (laughs) I won't lie. Uh, Although Drew had to do more work than me. That's a that's a whole another half hour. (laughs) Yeah, I have go back a few more podcasts. You'll get more conversations. (laughs) I, I have about five more minutes here before I have to um, take off and do home stuff. But uh, Annabelle, you had you had another topic to kick into here. I want to stick around for the start of it. Yeah, of course. So we were just going to talk about um, where you organize extracurriculars. And oh, yeah, if, that's right. if you're too busy with that and if that could be overwhelming. Personally, as you've heard, I love to be involved. Because to me, I love just being social. And so 
I cheer, I was a cheerleader for the first three years, and unfortunately, I decided to discontinue only because of internship opportunities in my senior year. And being a cheerleader was a whole different dynamic because not only were you involved with, you know, parents and students and the, and the faculty and staff, but you're also involved with the athletes, which is in essence huge. It's a huge income for our school. So being involved with people who are, you know, on the same page as you and practicing all the time and working out all the time, that's important. Um, like I said, going back to that tangible planner I would write out my 6 a.m. workouts and then my class slots okay when am I going to eat I'd even write out like when I'm going to eat when I have practice when am I going to sit down again and maybe go to practice or study and then also okay when can I fit in some self-care time mm -hmm. so for me this is the most important thing is when you're overloading your schedule or it doesn't have to be overloading right. you can just plan it and that's important again like I'm in an honors program and I have to attend chapter meetings once a week. So penciling that in and just being aware that way you can allot time to things that are important, like homework or working out or even eating. It's so important. Even taking a nap in college, like take a nap. You're going to be up till two in the morning, take a nap in the middle of the day. I have opinions about naps, but we can, <laughs> we can cover that. We differ. <laughs> I, was, I was taking naps just for, you know, but anyway. It's the length of nap that. It's the I've length of nap, but, but naps are okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So like sometimes I need a, I need a 30 minute nap between my classes to just power me to get through the rest of the day. Yes. I'm on, I'm, I'm in favor of the 20, 30 minute nap. It's the, I'm going to sleep for an hour. It's like, no, you're not. That's going to be can't, free. You cannot afford to sleep for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Drew, you have to get going. Anything, uh, last party messages before you? No, I would, well, um, as I'm leaving, I'm going to say thank you very much, Annabelle, for joining us. Um, so I did a lot of, uh, before I forget to say that, um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I guess I wouldn't say extracurriculars. I was in the marching band, which is a, not the same as, you know, cheerleading. I don't want to claim that, but we were at the football games. We did get to see, I did get to go see pep band with the basketball team and the hockey team and, mm -hmm. and experience the rest or, or like a lot of the other bits of college that I wouldn't have been in normally. Um, and the camaraderie and the team uh, atmosphere and the, the amount of time that gets soaked by that, where you're having to plan like, okay, it looks like dinner's 1030 tonight. Um, th those kind of things where, and that really did make it, uh, impossible to ignore the time planning mm -hmm. around getting like quote real work or graded work done for my program. Like, you know, my professor is saying like, look, marching band's cool, but your grades based on attendance. So maybe you spend a little time on the stuff that gives you a grade for your degree. And they were right. <laughs> um, it's hard to argue with that. But yeah, and, that, and I think that's part of the point you're trying to make is that the extracurriculars are getting you connected to your college community and able to stay engaged and focused on your degree seeking work as well. Exactly. You know. right, well, I'll, I'll carry on and I'll listen to the rest of this uh, when you publish. Okay. All right. Now that Drew is gone, we can get really down to business. Sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> Uh, so so uh, I, I was kind of interested, uh, one of the things that struck me, I would say, is that when, when you were talking about cheerleading and Drew was talking about um, marching band as extracurriculars, two things, I guess, that, can, that struck me. First is that we're really highlighting one particular, say, main extracurricular. Uh, so we're not like doing, hey, I'm going to do six things. Uh, the second is that while those are both sort of I, I would say athletic in nature. I, you can debate 
marching band, but I think marching band, like in high school, I didn't have to do the gym, extra gym credit because I was in marching band for four years. Oh, so it, it counted enough. Um, but there is organization, right? It's, there is, it's organized. There are people there to make sure that you're staying on task, that you know the schedule, that you're going to keep to the schedule, that can help you out with other things. You know, this is uh, very much a thing for, say, the softball team. At my school, they are, you know, they have mandatory study hours. Their coach is like, what are you taking when? You know, like you go to class, you know, this sort of a thing. That there's someone looking out for you to make sure that you are, that you have a schedule and you're keeping to the schedule, which is different than say like a board game club, which is like, no one's going to worry if you, if you go to board game club or not. And other board game club members are not going to be like, well, did you go to class today? <laughs> you know, right. so, so I, I thought that was um, maybe for some people, let's say, an important aspect is that someone is going to be there looking over your shoulder saying, are you coming to our events or are you going to your classes as well? Right. So I'd be interested to know, was, like, was that an important aspect for you to be not just be like, hey, I'm connecting with all these people and getting, you know, uh, both on, you know, the, the cheerleading squad team. I don't, I don't yes, know what the cheerleading team. Team, uh, the cheerleading team, uh, and in the you know the parents and the and the athletes, was it also an was that scheduling an important part of that experience for you, or was that just something that was kind of nice but wasn't critical? So it, kind of in retrospect, because I don't know if we would yeah. know at the time, right? When you're like starting. Yeah. So cheerleading is very monochronic. Like we're very punctual with everything. Um, it is similar to like, you know, like a drill team, very similar. Everything is very punctual. You need to be here at this time in the correct clothing, um, because you are representing our school and our coaches do hold us accountable. You actually cannot be on the cheer team unless you have over a 2.0. And so with that being said, we are pressed to stay on top of our academics and we also are pressed to maintain, um, balance with our academic schedule and also timeliness on our athletic schedule. We are year round, so we attend stuff in the fall all the way till the end of the spring semester. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, we need to make sure that we're balancing everything in all semesters. That's your social life and that's your academics and that's your athletics. And we do have people to look over us, but cheerleading is a club. It is an, an actual sport. So for sports, they have study hall hours, which is something you know you had mentioned, and they're required to get X amount of hours in the week to make sure that they are doing their work. We don't have that. So we're forced to independently work on our academic work. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We do, yeah. have somebody, we do have somebody to hold us accountable, but it's not enforced. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I had I had not realized that that difference between, like, say, club and and sport, in right. terms of those. So that's really that's really interesting. Um, what? I mean, let me think. Well, how do I want to formulate this question? <laughs> you said it was it was important to for you to have contact with the athletes and have contact with the parents. What was it that you kind of got out of that? What was it you know in in the moment looking back? Um, why was that so important uh, for you? 
building relationships, of course, I'm all about building relationships if you haven't noticed, <laughs> but it helps you gain not a sense of belonging, but a sense of, you know, um, understanding your environment and your community in, in specific. And so um, being involved with parents means that, like, you know, their kids and you support their kids and all of their kids and you are at the same university and in the same clubs for the same purpose. Like we all, we all have the end goal in mind and we're all achieving that. And so that's important to me um, to be aware of other athletes and to have relationships with them is important because again, they can help you succeed in different ways than you and your other teammates would succeed. So for instance, I love to work out with football players and they just help me build a different drive than say my cheerleader teammates would help me build. And so again, you're creating more diversity in your athletic ability and also relationships. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's important. And I think it's important too to um, be in touch, as we mentioned earlier, with your student body and peers because they just help to build your experience a lot more. You can make lifelong friends out of college, and that's something very important too. You, you never know. You might marry one of these people. You <laughs> might have one of them be your bridesmaid. Well, I mean, I, mean, to, I, I can co-sign that. I, my wife, I met uh, actually the first night I was at college. I met her. Uh, during the all hall meeting for a residence hall, we sat next to each other and made fun of the resident director together. Oh, that's awesome. That's something you wanted over. <laughs> yeah. We then, you know, we hung out with him and, and spent time with him. So it wasn't like <laughs> we just made fun of this dude. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, and certainly I think there's, I think for many people, like the friends that you've had for a long time are important and, you know, your high school friends were your elementary friends and they, they will be lifelong friends. You know, for my wife, I think for the two of us, we've, we're closer with our college friends than our high school friends. And we're even closer with our graduate school friends than we are with our college friends. Like those are the people that we have the most contact with. It's like as, as we've gone deeper and deeper into like our vocation, our callings, uh, and we've met more and more like-minded people that are, are diverse, but you know, it is, uh, it is a, a connection that we have with them and a shared intensity of experience, you know, like going from high school to college is an intent, more intense experience and going from college to grad school is another more intense experience, uh, that, that we have shared with these individuals. And so we have, we have unintentionally, but grown closer with them uh, than we haven't with, uh, other friends. Not that, you know, if, if you're stay super solid with old friends, that's fantastic. I support that as well. <laughs> Right. That, that makes me super excited for grad school, just knowing that there are people to come in my life who I would never even expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, is, and it was, I think for us anyway, grad, the population of grad school was more diverse for us than, than college. Um, and I think college was slightly, a little bit more diverse than high school. So, so for us, it has been, it had been just moving and just like, these are more different people, but with the same interest. And so that was really interesting. And I think kind of on the line, you're talking about this perspective that you're getting from all these people. And I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's good. If, if I, if I can just sort of think about this out loud a little, a little bit, it, it kind of reminds me of the, the reason that I like a small liberal arts, uh, education kind of philosophy, uh, because it's, the more you know about a wide variety of things, the more that you can dabble at least, if not be an expert, the less um, scary and confusing 
the world is around you. And the more you know about your, your college, who's there, uh, who's watching, what they care about, why they care about it, the, the more your college experience, I think, becomes less of a uh, kind of a cubicle job kind of experience. Go to class, take notes, go back home, don't talk to anybody, you know, do the work, do the homework, go to the dining hall, come back, lather, rinse, repeat. And it becomes more of a understanding. It's like, here's what these people value about the institution that I'm at. Here's what I then can see about to value about this institution. And the more you have that perspective, the more connections that you have. The, I that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a good, uh, a good thing to do. And like you say, it doesn't necessarily, won't necessarily make you say like, Oh, I belong here. Uh, it might. And, and, you know, that's good, but it certainly will give you a better understanding is like what here is. Right. I agree a hundred percent. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. Yes. The same. Um, yeah, it does matter who you're around, what resources are available to you and how you choose to utilize them. That's like a key essence of understanding college is, is really understanding what, where you are and you know, who is there for you and who you can be there for as well. Yeah. I mean, so listeners find an Annabelle. Right. So you go to college and you're like, I'm not, I don't know what's going on. There's probably some friendly person who is sophomore, junior, senior, you know, in your residence hall, in your dorm. Uh, and you can be like, Hey, what's going on here? Right. You know, or I'm taking and this. It's okay, to ask. it's okay to ask. That's important yeah. too. Like really encourage each other, ask questions because if not, you're going to be absolutely lost together and you can figure it out together. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, and, and certainly you talk about some of these professors are going to be, they're going to have an axe to grind. There's going to be like some landmines that you could step on, you know, and it, if you start to get that feeling, be like, Hey, has anybody had professor, you know, Highland? Like, is there a thing with this or that? And they'd be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can get someone to like, let you know, you know, like, Hey, right. Oh, rate my professor is great for that. Have you used rate my professor? Uh, I have not. I have not. Um, as a professor, I don't tend to. As a professor, I don't tend to look at it. Never look at your own reviews. I don't. I don't tend to. Uh, the um, it was babies having resurgence. As I recall, rate my professor uh, came out when I was like grad school or something. I want to say, and most of all, it was like a pl a place to go, like ju physically judge your professors. Like, are they hot oh, or okay. not? <laughs> yeah and so it was all like people just go there to look for the chili peppers you know right. um I, I i do want that kind of feedback that can also come from there it's like but i i teach smaller classes and so i can just ask my students like what worked well what didn't work well you know what do i need to improve on uh which is a lot faster but yeah if you if you don't know anybody you can go to rate my professor but you know be be aware that at least in a previous incarnation, this was like the 4chan of professor rating. And so it was kind of a wild, wild west and not necessarily focused on topic all the time. So like right. take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, you have to learn to discern what people's judgments are. You definitely see people on there who will full on complain about everything that a professor does. And it's like, okay, well, you don't like them at all. And now you're just judging them as a person, not a professor. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you can find a, a, a good um, review that actually talks about what they do. Then that's, 
but yeah, so we, that's where you want to be. <laughs> that's like my lifeline for picking classes. I love uh, to just read through the comments and yes, do they have the chili peppers or not? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Anything else you want to cover? I think that's mostly it. I think okay. we did great today covering a lot of things and it was yeah. so exciting to be on your guys' podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you so much for coming on and you had very thoughtful things to say. It was, it was fantastic to have you on the podcast. Uh, if you have more things you want to talk about, let me know. <laughs> you can bring well, it back I will be back. <laughs> okay, fantastic, fantastic. So listeners, if you have anything you want me to talk about or a question, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D, or shoot me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right. We'll see everybody next time. Bye.